all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Reflux, also known as heartburn, can be a frustrating problem in our infants, in our kids, teens, and adults. And so today, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about some of the causes and the treatments for it, and then we're going to answer any questions that you may have. You can always send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So I figured this would be a good topic because it is always... um, It's always a hot topic because a lot of people out there listening have suffered with it personally, um, have had their kids have problems with reflux. And so it's just kind of one of those things that hits home because at some point in time, if you haven't experienced it, either you or a family member probably will. Um, It's one of the topics that we talk about with our patients all the time, both with my pediatric patients and my adult patients, because like I said, this is just an extremely common problem that we have. And I, on a personal note, was going to share, because I'm currently experiencing it, with my littlest baby that uh, was just born in December. So she is almost three months old and is having a terrible time with reflux, Uh, so much so that we actually ended up having a trip to the ER this weekend with her. Um, So just to get a little personal and vulnerable about it, I have been there, and even as a pediatrician and a doctor, um, you know, I'm having trouble with it with my child, and it kind of makes me have another, see a whole other side of it for parents, for the parents of my patients, um, because it is something that is very frustrating and um, can just make you want to pull your hair out because you're just like, what can I do to help them? And it, it hurts your heart to see them suffering like that. So um, maybe you have seen this with your kid or your grandchild and you've had um, a similar experience. And so I kind of wanted to talk about that today just because it is, number one, it's fresh in my mind because I'm, I'm currently experiencing it at home. Um, but number two, it's just, it's so common and it happens to so many out there. Uh, so I wanted to just talk about it today. Um, Just to piggyback on last week, and I'm not sure if he's even listening today. I think his name was Ray, the guy from Peru. Um, I did talk to one of our endocrinologists about the thyroid disorder and the iodine deficiency. Um, She was unfamiliar with that skin test of the iodine. She was going to try to do a little bit more research to see the validity of it and to actually um, see if we can get some numbers about how accurate that could be. And we actually have an endocrinologist 
endocrinologist from Peru, own staff at UMC. He's out of town this week, but she was going to follow up with him for me. So um, I still don't have a great answer on that, and you stumped me on it. And I'm going to keep trying to figure some things out about it and get back to you all about that. But yeah, we're going to hopefully have you some answers for that. So if you're listening in Peru, um, hopefully I can get you some answers by next week. They should be back in town and we can get some better answers about it. Uh, But today, we're going to talk about reflux. Um, We're going to talk about it in kids. We're going to talk about it in adults. And we can see the differences because the reasons we have reflux in kids and teens is different than we do for adults. And so kind of wanted to make sure that we address that. So first off, reflux. So what what is happening when you reflux? So basically what's happening is the contents of the stomach are going back up into the esophagus. You can have a little bit of reflux like from the intestines into the stomach too. Um, But really what we're thinking when we think of reflux, we're thinking of whatever the contents are in the stomach coming back up into the esophagus. Um, So that could be In little babies, we see it like their milk, whether it be breast milk or formula milk. Um, In adults, you think of it more as like the stomach acid kind of coming up and burning. And even with the babies with the milk, it is a little bit of the acid in there, too. So the symptoms, typically what we think about with reflux, um, with our little ones, you know, you see it majority of the time. Uh, so you've, if you've fed a baby before, you know that it's important to make sure that we burp them after they eat so that we can help all those contents pass on through through their stomach and into their intestines. Uh, but sometimes when you're burping a baby, you'll notice that they spit up a little bit. And for majority of babies, it's just a little bit of that milk just kind of dribbles out of their mouth, maybe when they burp or maybe when you first sit them up after they eat. Very, very common. Babies always uh, tell people that it is very, it's pretty natural, honestly, for babies to spit up. That's just kind of the way that they're made. Um, They have little tiny stomachs and we are giving them, you know, giving them breast milk or formula milk and putting it into their stomach. And if you think about their little tiny stomach, one of the one of the guys that trained me always said a baby's stomach is about the size of their fist. So, you know, you think about that. That's not very big. And when you're giving them, especially as they get a little bit older and they're taking in more, you're trying to put four and five ounces in that tiny little stomach. Well, it's not all going to fit in there. Some of it's going to come back up. That's just kind of the nature of it. Um, The other thing that sets babies up for reflux is that what we call lower esophageal sphincter. So it's the little muscle at the bottom of the esophagus that will squeeze down and it will help keep all the contents from in the stomach and instead of coming back up into the esophagus. However, the problem is, is in babies, none of their muscles are very strong and that sphincter is a muscle. So therefore, some of it's going to relax and come back up. Um... And then the other thing is, is baby's lack of coordination. Sometimes that sphincter opens up at the wrong time. And so, again, it can reflux. So our babies are just setups for spitting up. It's just kind of how they're they're made. It will get better with time because their muscles get stronger. Um, and then once they can sit upright, that helps the situation as well. Because you can imagine putting stuff in your stomach um, and then just laying flat down, it's probably going to come back up a little bit. So when they're able to sit upright, that helps a lot. Um, So that's kind of why it happens in infants. 
in older kids and adults, it's a little bit different. Um, majority of time, it's stuff that we do to ourselves. Uh, just to be honest, you know, it's the kind of foods that we eat um, that can affect it. It is um, sometimes being overweight can make it worse. Sometimes certain medications that you're taking can make it worse. Um, so a lot of times as we get older, it's some of the stuff that we are doing to ourselves as opposed to like little babies who is just the way they are made. Um, that being said, there are some other causes in adults that can make it be, you know, you can't just always change it with the, your lifestyle. Some people are just a little more prone to it than others, and we'll talk about that. But, but for the most part, babies can't help it. As older kids and adults, there's some things that we can do with our lifestyle that can make it better, and we're going to talk about that. But we've got a caller, so we'll go to Joel, who's in Mobile. Good morning, Joel. Good morning. Hey, I find that uh, if I eat sweets, you know, sugar uh, content, that uh, I do get, uh, I guess, acid reflux. You know, it's like it seems like it creates an acid in your stomach, and then it just like it kind of like comes comes up. I mean, I, I've got, you know, kind of a taste like it comes back up. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, is that just my my imagination, or is that, uh, uh, as a doctor, I'm not a doctor, but as a doctor, you said you're a doctor, uh, is there any validity to that, uh, that can help some other people not get the acid reflux by not eating sweets? Yeah. Um, and by sweets, what do you mean? Do you mean just like sweets in well, general, or chocolate in particular, yeah, uh, or... Yeah. Yeah, just anything that's that's sweet. Yeah, because chocolate in particular can definitely make reflux worse. One of the chocolate is one thing that can actually make that sphincter that I was talking about so more I mean, relaxed. Like, like, like even if you eat sweet rolls or something like that. Oh, even that too. I mean, I, I don't. I've, that's not typically one of the things we think about. We think about more acidic foods or fatty foods. Um, but you know, everybody responds differently to certain foods, and so oh, it may. I, I eat a lot of. I love jalapeno. Now that and, uh, that most definitely is a culprit. No, it does not bother me. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah, it does not. Yeah, it does not bother me at all. Yeah, typically those are the foods we think about. But um, you know, if you're eating a lot of, I guess, bulky carbs, it could definitely do that as well. Just with a, um, you know, when you were saying sweet rolls and things like that. Just a lot of those carbohydrates, I guess, could easily do it, too. But it's it's not typically one of the things yeah. we think about as much as, like, acidic foods and spicy foods and fatty foods. Uh, but like I said, everybody's symptoms are different. So you may be the type that it's more complex carbs that get you than anything else. Okay. Okay. But chocolate... Well, Chocolate, for sure, can be a culprit. So if you eat a yeah. lot of stuff with chocolate, it can definitely yeah. do that because it relaxes that sphincter, which makes reflux worse. Yeah, I remember when, uh, when uh, uh, quite a few years ago, they had Walmart had uh, like a, a pound of chocolate, a big pound bar. I mean, it was thick. And I would eat one of those, the, the dark chocolate. And uh, and I got... I got uh, problem like that mm -hmm. when I was eating that. Yeah, yeah, chocolate for sure. So that can definitely be related to some of the sweets. But, well, thanks for your call, Joel, and we appreciate it. Yeah.
This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're talking today about reflux or heartburn is another name for it. Um, and it can happen in our babies. It can happen in our kids and teens. And it happens in our adults as well. And it is super common. We see it all the time um, in our clinic. It's one of the most common things that we address in our clinic. And so today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the causes and the treatments and answering any questions that you may have. And so we talked a lot about what causes reflux and in our little ones and why it happens as opposed to in our adults, um, you know, that this, the reasoning behind it is a little different. So in our babies, uh, their stomachs are really tiny. And number one, they don't have a lot of room to put their milk in. Um, and then two, their muscles are a little weaker. And, you know, none of their muscles are very strong and coordinated when they're first, when they're so little. And so with that, that esophageal sphincter doesn't tighten as well. And it lets some of those acid and con- stomach contact go back up into the esophagus. And then two, the babies can't sit up. Babies aren't up and walking around sitting up. And so if you've ever experienced reflux, you know that it's worse if you eat and then you go lay down. Um, And so our poor little babies are just setups for it. Um, Whereas opposed to adults, a lot of times it's the stuff that we're eating. Um, So uh, I mentioned like acidic foods, spicy foods, fatty foods are the common culprits. Everybody has their own thing, though. Like our previous caller mentioned, he with carbs tend to do it for him, too. So, you know, uh, you never really know what can be your trigger, per se. But those are just the more common ones that we see. Um, also, being overweight. Alcohol and smoking can definitely make it worse as well as adults. Um, And so just some different things to think about how it's different. And the reason I say that is because we treat it totally different um, in kids versus adults. So um, so that's why I kind of wanted to mention why it happens in kids versus adults. Um, So. I'm going to focus a little bit about the babies right now, just because I feel like that is one of the things that can be very, very frustrating as a parent, um, as a grandparent, anybody that's taking care of a little one when they uh, have really bad reflux. Um, like I said, my little one that I just had in December is currently going through it, and it has, it's been a rough time. <laughs> These past two weeks have been rough, uh, not going to lie. And um, actually, like I said, ended up taking her over to the ER this weekend to get her checked out because it had gotten so bad to the point that it was actually making me a little nervous and scared. And so some of you parents and grandparents out there may have been in this situation before. So... Um, So most babies, with their spitting up, like I talked about, have no problems. That was my first kid. She spit up all the time. We would put her on the floor. She would do her tummy time. She'd spit up all over the place. Even once she could sit up, she would just spit up, but she would smile. She would laugh. She was a chunky little baby and growing just fine. And so we didn't think much about it. You know, we have a term for that that we use in pediatrics. It's called happy spitters because most babies are going to spit up at some point. As long as they are happy and as long as they are growing, there's really nothing to do about it. It can be very annoying as a parent. Um, you got to make sure that you pack extra clothes because they're going to spit up on their clothes and you're probably going to have to change their clothes. Um, they may spit up on your clothes and you may have to change your clothes often. Um, but as long as they're happy, as long as they're growing, it really doesn't cause any problems for them. Um, they're going to be fine as they get older. They're going to grow out of it once they can sit up most Most of them grow out of it by the time they're 9 to 12 months old, um, and they'll be just fine. But then you have other babies, like 
my second baby, um, who have just a lot of trouble with their reflux. So some symptoms of it besides you may not just see them spitting up as they're, you know, just sitting holding them. Um, but you may notice they're fussy. Uh, they scream all the time. Um, sometimes they'll like arch their back or they'll turn really red because they look like they're in pain. Um, some babies don't want to eat. So you'll try to give them a bottle and they don't want to eat because they know it's going to hurt them when it comes back up. Um, some babies can even have a little bit of blood in their stool or a little bit of blood when they vomit. Um, and then the other thing that we worry about is when they can't gain weight. So that's another important thing. If you're noticing these signs and symptoms in your baby, you want to make sure that you're getting them checked out so that you can watch their weight. Because if their reflux is significant enough, it can actually end up affecting their weight gain. Um, and that's one of the problems. So, you know, I mentioned that happy spitter and the babies that spit up all the time and you just constantly feel like you're just covered and spit up. Um, but they're smiling and they're growing and they're happy. And, you know, there's nothing to worry about with those babies. Um, but the babies that you can tell that it's causing problems, it's making them fussy and upset. Um, maybe they're having some trouble gaining weight. That's when we have to intervene. And so that's why it's important to make sure you're talking to your doctor about this if your kid is one of those that has a lot of problems with reflux and spitting up, um, because we want to make sure that they are growing and they're not having any of these other symptoms so that they can't, your doctor can intervene if they need to. So what do we do? So there are medicines out there, just like there are for adults. Um, in particular, the histamine blockers, the H2 blockers, that's going to be your medications like Pepsid and Zantac. Um, and then you have your PPIs, which are your proton pump inhibitors, and that's going to be your medications like um, Nexium and Prevacid and Prilosec and those class of medications. So you've probably seen a lot of these medicines and heard about a lot of these medicines. And we can use them in infants just like we can adults. Um, but the thing to remember is about these medicines, and it's hard to, to stress this to parents, is um, they don't stop the reflux. So what these medications are doing is they're neutralizing and stopping the acid, but they're not going to stop the spitting up. So even if we put your kid on a medication, say, you know, you're getting really frustrated with the reflux um, and spitting up, if we put them in the medicine, it's not necessarily going to stop it because, like I said, little babies are just setups for spitting up. Um, but we can put them on a medicine that will help neutralize the acid. So for those really, really fussy babies um, that are having a hard time with it, those are the patients that we put on the medications. Typically, we start with a histamine blocker, so like a Pepsid or a Zantac. Um, and then if they still can't tolerate it, then we can go to more advanced therapies like Nexium or um, Prevacid. Um, and those medications, you know, nobody really wants to put their baby on a medicine if we don't have to. Um, but if they're having a lot of problems with irritability and fussiness, and especially if they get to the point where they don't really want to eat, then you know that reflux is bothering them. And we can start them on a medicine to neutralize that acid, which helps a lot. Um, some of the other like things that you can do, just lifestyle things, um, is slowing them down when they eat. And one way to slow them down when they eat is just to kind of burp at natural pauses. Um, so if usually it ends up being about every ounce or two, depending on how severe their um, symptoms are. But, you know, it, when a baby's eating a bottle, you can tell they kind of slow down for a little bit and take a little bit of a break. And that's the perfect time to just take the bottle out, sit them up 
burp them really good, make them take a little break. And what that's doing is that's giving the body time to pass those contents on through from the stomach into the intestines. And as it passes, then it's less likely to come back up into the esophagus and have that reflux. So burping at regular intervals um, as you're giving them the bottle. Um, some babies, you may need to change the nipple to the bottle too because there's different flows on it. So if you go uh, up in the numbers, then that means that the flow is going to be faster. So you may want to slow that down. And again, that's just slowing down the feed um, so that it's letting the body have time to pass that milk through. And then the other big thing is keeping them upright after they eat, which can be something that's really hard to do. It's easier said than done, especially if you have other kids out there and you're trying to make sure you keep your baby upright for at least 15 to 20 minutes after they eat. But you have, you know, a million other things to do and you're trying to chase another kid around and get supper together and all the different things that go into it. It, It's hard to find that 15 to 20 minutes to keep your baby upright, Um, especially as they get older and they want to move around a little bit. So, um, some of the little like seats that you have, I don't know, you probably have seen those little seats that kind of sit them up at an incline. Those are fine if you need to put them in that. Just if you can't sit there with your baby and keep them upright, put them in the little seat, let them sit propped up for a little bit. And all that's doing is just, again, gravity, just keeping them upright, letting that milk pass on through. Because if you lay them flat right after they eat, it doesn't have time to go in through. And so it's just a kind of an easy thing to do just to let gravity help move everything on along um, and help with their reflux and preventing it from coming back up. So those are some of the biggest things we do um, is just lifestyle things, burping them, keeping them upright. Those are going to be the biggest things. Um, the number one one of the number one reasons babies reflux besides all the physiologic stuff is overfeeding. So that's the other thing to do is to talk to your doctor and say, am I giving them too much or do I need to cut back? Um, Because that can be the number, that can be the biggest thing is just trying to cut back a little bit. And it can become a little balanced thing because you have to make sure they're getting enough, you know, breast milk or formula um, to grow, but you also don't want to give them too much that they're just going to spit it up and then they're not going to grow because they're spitting it up so much. So this is something that you probably want to make sure you're getting in and talking to your pediatrician about. Uh, because it is a little bit of a balance, and sometimes we have to come up with uh, some tricky little ways to to get around that to make sure our kids are getting enough food in, um, getting enough milk in, but also uh, not too much where it's making their reflux worse, if that makes sense. Um, so just talking it through with your doctor can be helpful for that. Uh, But medicines, we really try not to give unless we really have to, unless they're really fussy, because again, those medicines are not going to make the reflux stop. So I think that's something important to make sure I reiterate on that. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We are talking today about reflux or heartburn, as it is commonly known. And we've been talking a lot about what happens in our little babies and why it happens and what you can do for them. And now we're going to transition and talk a little bit about why it happens in our older kids and adults and how we can handle that as well. So I talked a lot about Uh, babies and making sure that you keep them upright for at least 15 to 20 minutes after they eat, that you're burping them at regular intervals, um, making sure that you're not overfeeding them. Talk to your doctor to make sure that they're getting the right amount of breast milk and formula um, so that to make sure that they are not 
having too much put in, which is causing their reflux. And then we talked about medications and how we try not to use them in babies unless we absolutely have to. And the reason we would intervene and give a medication would be if they were having lots of pain and irritability. So if that acid was causing problems with them, um, and then that may be something that we do. One thing that I didn't mention, and um, if your baby is on formula, Sometimes changing up the formula can be helpful. Um, so, and, and parents as well, if you're breastfeeding, changing up your diet can be helpful as well. So, um, I saw a statistic that up to 40% of babies that have significant reflux also have a protein intolerance, so a milk protein intolerance. So, this does not mean you're truly like allergic, it just means that your baby's gut does not tolerate that milk protein. And pretty much, all of our formulas are built off of the milk protein. Um, and that's the same thing with the breast milk, you know, especially if the mom is eating dairy and is eating beef, it's going to be based off of that as well. So one thing you can do is you can change to a hypoallergenic formula. And so what that means is that in the process of making that formula, they break down that milk protein. So it puts less pressure on the baby's gut to break down that protein. So if they have an intolerance to the milk protein, um, then their gut doesn't have to work to break that protein down. Um, The thing with those formulas is, and again, I'm telling you from experience right now because I'm currently uh, going through it, is they get really costly. They get really expensive. The more broken down the protein goes, the higher the price tag goes, uh, which can be very frustrating. So that's something that you want to talk to your doctor about uh, because... Yes, every parent, your child is on the most expensive version of it. Oh, yes. Every parent's child is on the most expensive version of it. I don't know how they do that, but yes. Yes. I don't even want to tell you how much I paid for it yesterday. (laughs) It's It really kind of, it hurt my heart when I had to go buy the special formula. Uh, Yes, so, I know every parent is like, this has got to be the most expensive version of this. And the answer is yes, yes. to every parent. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I know my, my sister said, because uh, we also had to put her on um, a medication too. So she's now on a medicine and a very specialized formula because our reflux has gotten so bad. And she said, uh, she's already decided she likes the finer things in life. <laughs> already. Yes. At three months old, we already like the finer things in life. But that's okay. She's totally worth it. Uh, but but you may want to just talk to your doctor or a GI specialist because they can get really pricey. And so there's coupons out there or um, it may be something that you could qualify for one of the WIC programs um, where you could get your formula through that. Uh, but just something to throw that out there, too. But changing up the formula can make a big difference. Um And if you're breastfeeding, what they recommend is not only just cutting out dairy, but cutting out beef in general, uh, because there can be some cross-reactivity with that, too. So you want to, if you're breastfeeding, cutting out dairy, cutting out anything with beef, uh, because that can make a big difference, too. So just something to think about. If you've tried a lot of the other things and you're still having problems, you may want to change your diet up, breastfeeding, or uh, may end up having to get on one of the specialized formulas as well, because that can make a difference. Because there is a, I, I knew that there was some kind of cross-reactivity with that, you know, that a lot of kids who have bad reflux have milk intolerance, but I had no idea that it was all the way up to 40%. I mean, that's that's pretty significant. So in adults, I mentioned that um, a lot of times it's our lifestyle and we can change that. 
um, to help us with our symptoms. And it's the same thing with our kids and our teenagers, too. So a lot of the times we'll have (laughs) kids come in. I can still remember in the ER, we always joked because kids would come in with, like, abdominal pain and belly pain. And then... um, they would be eating those like hot chips or uh, what's there's like a new one now like talkies or something like that like the the oh, hot yeah. yeah I don't I don't like do blue. all this yeah and those little purple bags and stuff yep. so that was always kind of the joke as our test is if they're having really bad abdominal pain but they're able to eat the uh, hot chips then they're probably okay <laughs> yeah I wonder about that doc I mean the the uh, flaming hot everything mm-hmm. like I, I'm like that cannot the amount of these, I tell my youngest that she's eating. I'm like, this is way too high a percentage of your diet. Yes. No, 100%. We see it all the time. Kids come in all the time for stomach aches. Um, and like, you know, it, it can change their bowels a little bit too. Like they're how often they go to the bathroom and things like that. Um, but yeah, we see it all the time. Kids coming in with stomach aches and chronic abdominal pain. And we talk to the parents and we ask them what kind of stuff they eat. or And the parents don't always tell you. But then if you ask the kid, yeah. what's your favorite snack? And they tell you Takis or flaming hot cheetos and you're like ah well this all makes sense so we see it all the time it's not just adults we see it in our kids too so to be in mindful of what kind of snacks you let your kids eat is very important because we see that all the time i can tell yeah um so yeah so just spicy stuff um and uh, acidic foods, so tomatoes, anything like tomato base, red sauce is a big culprit of it, too. And kids love pizza, so that's another thing to think about in your kids. Uh, that's a thing I've actually had to cut out because uh, the, the chain pizza stores, mm-hmm. they love garlic. And the more garlic, the more it just messes me up to the point where I can't enjoy it anymore. And yeah. I've never thought I would have been like, no thanks to pizza, pizza. but I'm actually in that place now. Yeah. It can be miserable. Yeah. It can be Like miserable. some homemade pizza, like some folks that just don't dump buckets of garlic over everything to just make it taste like, I don't know, Italy or something, whatever. Yeah. You know, some broad uh, interpretation of what pizza is supposed to be. But yeah, it, it could be okay then. But yeah, it's the, the chain stuff. It's all, yeah. nah, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be rough. It can be rough. Spaghetti, lasagna, anything really that has that tomato base can yeah. make, it, it make it worse too. Um, and then like oranges and any of those like acidic fruits too. Um, that can definitely do it. And then high fatty foods. So, I mean, that kind of just comes with common sense if you think about it. But going and eating a greasy hamburger or greasy French fries, like that's probably going to flare it up a little bit. Um, It just kind of sits in on the stomach a little bit more and slows everything down, uh, which, again, is one of the things that may if if your gut slows as an adult, if your gut slows down, um, it's going to make it kind of come back up a little bit. And that can cause that that reflux pain. Um, but reflux can be very uncomfortable, especially as a kid and an adult as you get older. Um, and you want to make sure that, like I said, you're watching your diet is one of the biggest things. And then if you're having problems with it, it's okay to get go get some of those over-the-counter medications. So you can start with just like a regular old Tums or Rolaids. And what those medications do is they just neutralize the acid right there on the spot. Um, as opposed to some of the medications like the histamine blockers, like I talked about, or the PPI medications. Um, so the histamine blockers are going to be Pepsid, Zantac, Tagament. Um, and they also are pretty like spot treatment medications, um, but they can also be used in um, shorter term. I wouldn't say necessarily long term because they do have um, 
where your body becomes kind of uh, immune to it, I guess, for lack of a better word, where it doesn't become as effective anymore. And then if you're still having trouble with it, that's when you want to go on and get the medications like the PPI medications, um, proton pump inhibitors, which are going to be like your Prilosec, Prevacid, um, Nexium, and a lot of those medicines you can get over the counter now. But there are still some that are prescription medications like Protonics and Asifex. You may have heard some of those medicines if you may have been put in some of those medicines if you're listening. Um, used to, like when I first started my training, man, we were throwing out those medications left and right for everybody because, you know, again, I would say uh, probably 60% of my adult patients complain about reflux <laughs> when they come to their visits. So we were giving out those medicines left and right, you know. And now we know that long-term use of some of these medicines, like the PPIs, can actually cause problems. And so we don't recommend using those long-term anymore. So if you find that you're one of those people that your reflux is getting so bad and you've picked up a pack of Prilosec over the counter and it works really well for you, but you can't come off of it, then that's something you want to talk to your doctor about. Because long term, we've seen these medications can have effects on your kidneys. Um, I see it a few times a year um, that that happens. It ends up you people come in with a little problem with their kidneys. We review their medications and we realize that, hey, they've been on this medicine for a long time. And that can definitely be a cause. Um, for the kidney problems. The other thing that we think about, and and, I mean, this is for both men and women, um, but the it can affect your the way you absorb some of the minerals, so in particular like magnesium, phosphorus, calcium, and those are all things that are involved with bone health. Um, so our women were at higher risk for osteoporosis. So if you're staying on these medicines long term and you're having problems getting your calcium, phosphorus, and magnesium in, that's just only making the situation for uh, osteoporosis even worse. Um, so long term, they're just not great medicines. Now I have people. Um, that patients and family members who I've tried to get off of these medicines and they're like, you know what, I know the risk of them and I know I probably don't need to stay on it, but this reflux is so miserable, I don't care. And that's fine. I mean, as long as you know the risk factors associated with them, then that's okay. It's something that we can just watch closely, keep an eye on your your electrolyte levels and mineral levels, and we can also, you know, watch it, your kidney function. Um, and then lastly about those medications is one thing you have to think about is when you're changing. So essentially what you're doing is you're stopping the acid in your stomach. You're we're suppressing those pumps that secrete the acid. And so when that happens, it changes the the pH level in your gut. And that can make the bacteria, you know, you've got good bacteria in your gut. So that can actually throw off some of that good and bad bacteria that you have in your gut, which can lead to even more problems. So just something to think about if that's a medication that you have been taking very often. Um, you want to talk to your doctor about it because you may need to come off of that. So uh, we've got Allison McComb. Good morning, Alice. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. I want to speak uh, myself. I'm 75 years old now. And that word you said with the older octopus, you know the arthritis? The, for the, um, like for your arthritis or for your reflux? Oh. For, the, for that too, I, I'm going to tell you that I, I got that uh, arthritis and I got diverticulitis and stuff. Uh-huh. So I hear you saying roll A's and uh, tons, but 
Is the gas eggs good for me? Yeah, gas eggs is fine. It's got a different one. It's got uh, calcium. I mean, it has simethicone in it, which is a a gas drop medicine, really, that kind of can help. So if you get that gassy kind of stuff, too. Um, but then there are some forms of gas eggs, too, that have that acid neutralizer like calcium carbonate. And so, yeah, that's totally fine to use as needed. With what about that with the diabetic model? Yeah, that's fine. You can still use it with diverticulitis. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let me call because she's sure talking about me. Yeah, no, no, no. That's totally fine. You can use it. So the the there's a difference between the diverticulitis and the reflux because the reflux is more of like in the stomach and the esophagus, so kind of the top part of your intestinal system. As yeah. a yeah, as opposed to the diverticulosis and diverticulitis, which is usually at the bottom part at your colon. Um, so it's kind of two different processes. So yeah, you can take the gas sex and you can take you know any of these reflux medications with diverticulitis. And it shouldn't cause a problem. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Of course. Thank you for calling. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We have been talking about reflux and heartburn. We've got a few callers, so we'll go first to Don, who's in Hernando. Good morning, Don. What's going on? Hey, uh, about the reflux, I wanted to, a little something. I'm on a CPAP machine. And one of the side effects on my CPAP machine is I never have had reflux at night as long as I'm on my, I'm on my CPAP machine. That's just that was just wonderful. I, I could have asked for it because I had reflux really bad, but as soon as I got on my CPAP machine, which was years ago, I have never had a bout of reflux at night while yeah. I'm Well, that's good to know. Uh, right. All right. My real question is this: I had cellulitis in my bag uh, four or five weeks ago, and they put me on an antibiotic, which seemed to have cleared it up. But then last night, I got the same symptoms that I had. It's almost like you have the flu, uh, the symptoms that came with it. And this morning, when I looked at my bag, it, had, it was red like it was the first time. And I was wondering, is that cellulitis is something that comes back? Should I be? Uh, I just went to the Red Med Clinic, and, they, and they've got a prescription, uh, but they're kind of, like, concerned that it, you know, it has come back so soon after the first round. Yeah, it can, unfortunately, it can definitely come back. Typically, when we think about cellulitis, we think about, like, staph or strep causing it. Um, You know, those are two of the main bacteria that lead to that kind of infection. And some of those bacteria are resistant to certain antibiotics. So depending on what kind of antibiotics you were given, that that bacteria may have only been partially treated. So that may be why you're having it recur so quickly again. Um, So it just may Maybe that they need to change up your antibiotic and give you a little bit stronger antibiotic that's geared towards some of that resistant staph and strep that could be causing the cellulitis. Oh, right. I appreciate that. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, if you have uh, diabetes or certain other, um, you know, maybe your own uh, certain medications that would suppress your immune system, you're going to be even more high risk for those resistant bacteria. So I'm not sure your past medical history, but that's something to think about, too, is if you are in some of those medications, that can also affect your what antibiotic choice we choose. But most likely, it's probably you just need a little bit stronger antibiotic. 
All right. Well, I have to, I'll have to check to see what they gave me this time as compared to the last time. Yes, yeah. But, yeah, hopefully that was helpful, and thanks for calling. All right. Thank you. Yeah, have a good day. I will go next to Maurice, who is in Memphis. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes, I, I take uh, a episode daily, uh, and I uh, heard you say that uh, some of these uh, types of drugs have long-term side effects. I was wondering if uh, omeprazole uh, fits in that sense. Yeah, omeprazole is in that class of medications. And so it's really any of those PPI medications or proton pump inhibitors, um, but omeprazole is one of those medications. Um, so like I was saying, if you happen to be, you know, you've been on it for a long time and you're still having symptoms, uh, it may be that you need to talk to your doctor about getting a scope and making sure that there's nothing else going on in there. Um, there is a certain type of bacteria that also can make reflux worse, and so you want to make sure that that's not on it and that way you could see if potentially you could come off of it Um, but then again like I said some people just can't come off of them and they know the risk of the medications and as long as you're following closely with your doctor it's probably okay Um, but yeah there omeprazole is one of those medicines so uh, what we think about is uh, kidney it can affect your kidneys it can affect the way you absorb um, certain vitamins and minerals and then the other thing is like I said it can alter the the gut bacteria those are some of the biggest side effects that we think about with long-term use. Okay, then if I take it, so my um, GI doctor told me to take it daily. I mean, and, and I have some concerns because of just exactly what you said. It reduces the acid in the stomach, and the acid's there for a reason, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, what, what's the alternative? What if I take it other, every other day instead of daily? Does that help or? Um, well, I think you won't notice as much of an efficacy from the medication. Those medicines are some that you kind of have to take consistently in order to see the effects of it. It's not one of those that really work as well, like if you just kind of take it as needed. Um, so, I mean, I think as long as if your GI doctor has recommended it, then that means that you probably have some pretty significant reflux. And I'm sure he's he or she has done an evaluation to make sure there's no other reason why you could have reflux and why we we would treat it that way. Um, so then that means he pr- you probably need it. So I would just recommend to make sure that you're following with your primary doctor closely and that they're checking on your kidneys and they're making sure that, you know, your calcium and your vitamin D and magnesium and all those levels are staying health at healthy levels. So as long as you're following with your doctor, I think it's fine to stay on it. It's just something to keep in the back of your mind. You want to make sure you're following with your doctor regularly about it if that does that make sense yes it does so it's it's not ideal but it may be that that's just the case for some people that they have to stay on it so if you were one of those people that have to stay on it just follow with your doctor closely and watch those blood levels Um, okay could i ask another a little side question yeah we got just like 30 seconds Um, left but go ahead okay the reason i believe the reason that i started having a reflex because i never had it in in the Past. And then I started taking um, um, a lot of insights for knee pain. And I believe that's the cause of it. Yeah. So occasionally now I still have knee pain. So does it, does it, if I take a insight for pain periodically, does that 
increase the damage or the damage is done. Yes, yes, you are exactly right. You hit the nail on the head right there. That class of medications can definitely make reflux worse. So if you can avoid using it frequently, then yes, it should probably help your reflux some. Now, Tylenol is not going to make your reflux worse usually. It's just those anti-inflammatories. So look into extra strength Tylenol as opposed to some of those insets, and maybe you can get a little bit of relief, but that's a great point. Trying to avoid those medicines should help. Um, we got to go. We got like 20 seconds left, but thank you for your call, Maurice, and thank you everybody for your calls today. I think we had some good discussions about reflux, and hopefully it was helpful. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and it's funded in part by a grant from the USG Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.